You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 106. And the world is still quarantined. For real. Y'all, the people who are making memes, though, about this stuff. Oh, my gosh. Like, that is the one good thing that has come out of this. TikTok and memes. I mean, we got to do something to entertain ourselves. Right? The toilet bowl people, though. Those are fucking funny. When they use the toilet paper. Uh, yeah. Make it oh a cigar. Yes. yes. Did you see the TikTok where she says, the toilet's smoking, and he like runs to go yes. upstairs and slides and falls? Yes. Oh, God. One thing that's not funny is your hours got cut. Yeah. We're lucky because Mississippi isn't like technically on a lockdown like all yeah. the other states. I mean, everything's closed, but... I'm still able to go to work and all. I mean, like she said, my hours did get cut because things just aren't the same. So that's definitely, you know, whatever. But, um, I mean, how can I complain when some people aren't even working? So yeah, I'm thankful for what I have, you know? Yep. I'm very thankful that I can still come here and record the podcast. Um, Yeah. If Donna couldn't come down here, she'd starve to death. I mean, she's not wrong. Or she'd go broke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope that everybody's getting a chance to, like, catch up on TV shows, catch up on podcasts, all the things, find stuff to occupy their time. Just like our new Patreoners who are getting all the previous content plus the new stuff. So, they're going to have, the, you know what? They're going to be fucking Templeton from Charlotte's Web with their smorgasbord smorgasbord. <laughs> so, thank you so much, Angel G from New Hampshire. Ashley P from Oklahoma. Juliana M from Oregon. Heather B. from Michigan. Kristen A. from Tennessee. And Kimberly G. from Texas. If you want all the bonus content that they're getting and a shout out on an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Oh, you know what? One other thing about the whole COVID-19 thing. Mm -hmm. Every damn person is at home on their damn internet. And we tried to have a Facebook hangout. To cure our boredom in our group, all the people were watching Netflix, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. All the kids were playing games, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And that meant we couldn't have our time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it. We were cutting out, and I don't know. They needed subtitles. Also, why did you make us sound like a uh, 55 and over dating site? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am looking for daddy. <laughs> Well, in that case, you're looking for a granddaddy. <laughs> I wouldn't complain. <laughs> Kids are grown. And kids are grown <laughs> and uh, beneficiary, please. <laughs> what does your will say? So, since we are all social distancing and stuff, 
I decided to stay in our own state of Mississippi, but instead of focusing on the Delta where all the normal ghost stuff, you know, always is, I want to talk about some history and folklore a little more local. First, let me tell you what we're talking about. It's called the Singing River. For those who are unaware, there's this river called the Pascagoula River that's obviously located in Mississippi since I mentioned that's where we're staying earlier. And it's located at the mouth of the Mississippi River. Like, you know, the big Mississippi River. The Pascagoula River, it's like 80 miles long, give or take, and it's a source of fresh water for the Gulf of Mexico. It's dubbed the Singing River because of some magical moments when there's these strange but beautiful sounds that rise up from the river. And it's not something that you can set your watch by. It's something that happens when the moment is just perfect. The conditions are exactly as nature or whatever force needs them to be. And then the melody just ripples over the water. There have been several people to experience the sounds, and there's also been several who have tried to explain the cause of it. And this has been for hundreds of years, and the source of that gentle humming sound is still a mystery. Or is it? So, let's get into some history, y'all. The name of the river comes from a Native American tribe called Pascagoula. And the history and the origin of the Pascagoula people, it's really unknown. But we do know that they were one of the smaller tribes who lived together along the rivers of Mississippi and Louisiana. That, again, led to the Gulf of Mexico. And it's popular opinion that they were Choctaw affiliation because the word Pascagoula is a Choctaw word. And guess what it translates to? River. Bread eater. They were basically carbs and cocks before we even knew it was a thing. I mean, they sound lovely. They sound like someone that I would definitely want to hang out with. Definitely. It's on a river, so mm. can get a tan. Are there bathrooms, though? <laughs> and we all know I love bread. Sadly, that is really all we know about the tribe besides some statistical things. However, there's two legends that go along with the Pascagoula tribe, which incorporate the Singing River. Do you know about it, Carrie? No, I've never heard this. First tells of a time around 1699 when French settlers arrived in the regions and they heard the Singing River. So they heard this noise coming from the river and they asked the local Native Americans what caused that sound. So what the Native Americans told them was in 1540, there was a white man who was in the area visiting, if you will, but he had an agenda and his agenda was to convert the Native Americans who he probably called savages, even though he was the real savage. We hate him already. (laughs) But he was trying to convert them to Christianity. And y'all, I really don't have a problem with Christianity. I was doing this and I was like, oh my God, I think this is like the third story that I've had with like a missionary thing in it, like in a row. Damn. So I really don't. 
But it's historical fact that shit like this happened. So, you know, I mean, it fits into the story. Like, it's part of the story. So, And honestly, I think it's important to look back on this and other things and really understand what seems right can be wrong in some instances. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that it can be dangerous and destructive and whatever. But on with the story. So, like I said, he was trying to convert the Pascagoula tribe, and what they believed in was worshiping a mermaid that lived in the river. They had a carved statue of this mermaid and would do nightly celebrations in honor of her that included chanting and dancing, all the things. And in the book, The Greenwood Encyclopedia of Folktales and Fairy Tales, it said that in maritime folklore, A mermaid is a harbinger of storms and sea disasters, or at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, protection for the crew at sea or, like you know, etc. But it's never in between. So it's either she could be helpful in ways of healing, supplying ample food via lots of fish to catch, also giving money, and could help, like, give people skills such as building ships, etc. However, if you wronged her or she was out to get your ass, she would drown you or in some cases, the whole town could be washed away. Damn. So let me make this clear. The missionary and the Pascagoula tribe were friendly. There was no bad blood or imprisonment or anything like that. However, why I say it can be bad is that their religion was okay as it was. It was whatever... They were good with. Yeah. But just because they were being nice to him didn't mean that they wanted to convert to Christianity. It was that they were fucking nice people. Right. You know? However, picking up from where I said destructive, dangerous, um, this man and his teachings pissed the mermaid right off. She was jealous. She was being worshipped. And now this man's coming in and they're being friendly to him. And she's not going to stand for it. Mm -mm. So even though he didn't do anything bad per se, it's like, hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, they were doing fine. And then he, like, added himself in this mix. And then she was like, what? You know? Oh, hell no. So anyway, it said that she rose up from the bottom of the river. You know, started from the bottom. Now she here. (laughs) Picture, like, King Triton from The Little Mermaid when he gives Ariel a kiss after she's married and he's, like, got to say his goodbyes. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's that geyser kind of a water spout under him. Mm -hmm. Well, this was, like, what she did, like, when she rose up from the river, but more regal and, like, with fury. So, like, Ursula, when she was almost in that, like, octopus, like, but, like, the evil Ursula part of it, you know, that scared me as a kid. Yeah. And now as an adult. Anything with water scares you. Duh. And then the mermaid began singing. Did it go, oh? <laughs> um, no. Maybe that's what we would have heard. But to them, they heard, come to me, come to me, children of the sea. Neither bell, book, nor cross shall win ye from your queen. Interesting. And they said at the sound of her voice and her song that every man, every woman, and every child 
from the Pascagoula tribe walked into the river and were never seen again. What? Yeah. And according to a 19th century historian, all of the tribes around that area always have said that the singing sound coming from the river is the Pascagoula tribe. Damn. But what they believe is like, it's not a sad singing. They died, but they are like in the palace of the mermaid. Like, because she was their idol. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they went with her in the afterlife. I will also say that in Rich Newman's book, Haunted Bridges, he writes about the Aten Bridge in Gauche, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And he briefly mentions the Pascagoula tribe, but he focuses more on the mermaid. And he wrote that it's believed to be her singing, not the singing of the Native Americans. And he said that when the Pascagoula tribe heard the mermaid sing to them, they would sing back to her. And it was like she was blessing them in that moment. And that's like how they conversed and everything. But he, you know, and then it goes on how it did. Like she lured them to the river and they drowned, you know. But it's not their singing. It's still her. Yeah. He also mentions that there's a story involving the time when Hernando de Soto and his merry men arrived, and they actually saw the mermaid during a tribal ceremony that they witnessed. And he said, there's a local lore. If you ask the mermaid for a blessing and to sing, you might just hear her sweet music. Okay, legend number two. It's all about the Pascagoula tribe and the Biloxi tribe. Sidebar. I had no idea we had such a rich Native American history here. Like, I know I have distant Cherokee in me. My great-great-grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee. You know? Mm -hmm. So, it's like, I know, I know, but I didn't, like, know. Yeah. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have some Mayan in me. I had no idea that Biloxi and Pascagoula were tribes. Me neither. Like, I was like, mm, history. I was this year's old uh, when I learned about Mississippi history. Mm-hmm. All right. So picture two smaller tribes living together in harmony, just, you know, peacefully, equally, and just along this river. They weren't too big. They knew their place. And everything was good. Until, until. the heart wants what it wants. Uh-oh. And Altema, he was the chief of the Pascagoula tribe. He fell in love with Anola, a princess from the Biloxi tribe, who was promised to the Biloxi chief. Uh-oh. Well, when the Biloxi chieftain heard this, he was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. They've had to been having an affair, and I'm not standing for it. I'm not going to be played a fool. I'm not going to have... My people see me as being weak, whatever. However, I'm a sucker for a good romance story. So in my head, he doesn't even love Enola. But the thought of another man having her Mm -hmm. is like what makes him rage and get angry and spiteful and all of that shit. Right. And I'm like fighting for them, you know, like their love's pure and all of this, you know? (laughs) Yes. You've watched way too many Disney movies. I mean, yes. So, okay. The Biloxi chieftain, he led his tribe into battle 
when he declared war on the Pascagoula tribe. Also, how, I cannot think of another word other than fetch, but how fetch do you have to fucking be that tribes war over you? Probably not at all, because it's really just the man, the chief. Like, she could be ugly. It's like, no, that's mine. You know what I mean? You said you were mine. I was like, you, that took you so long. Well, because I was like, mine. And you said, well, you said you're a Mayan. And I was like, now, <laughs> like, damn. See what I did there? But you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. It, it's not about the woman. Yeah. It's about the man and what he wants. Like, he was wronged. And so he is willing to kill his people. Yeah. Because of his ego. So that he doesn't look bad in front of his people. Mm-hmm. Which, clearly, he doesn't care about. Mm-mm. But even after, like, if they had this battle, they won, they killed all of the Pascagoula tribe. Mm-hmm. He would still kill Enola. Oh, yeah. Because he'd be like, I don't want you. you you're tainted. Uh, so you're just this. About to say. You're blah. You know, and it's like, fuck you, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. just let them be happy then. You know, like, let them go. Banish them then. Do whatever. But, like, like, fuck you. Anyway, sorry. Well, it was at this point when he declared war that the Pascagoula tribe knew that they were completely outnumbered and chose what they believed was to die with dignity. And that was to die of their own doing rather than to be killed or captured as slaves. And so it is believed that Altema and Enola, as well as the entire Pascagoula tribe, joined hands and sang their death hymn as they marched into the river to drown themselves. Women and children first. Nuh-uh. And thus, they are responsible for the hauntingly beautiful singing river. The fuck? I believe that damn mermaid did it more than I did that these grown-ass adults were like, the chief is going to get into a fight with this dude down the street. So let's all die by suicide so we are not shamed. No, it's not out. It's not being shamed. It's that they would be killed because they were so outnumbered that they were they were going to die or be sold to the Spanish explorers as slaves. And no longer with their families and no longer whatever. And so, like, what will, what will happen to their kids? What will, whatever. And you know what I mean? So, I mean, like, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying that it's not about being shamed. Okay. In their minds, they're going to be with the mermaid. Like, these are still the people in this thing. It's still the people who believe that with the mermaid, you know, like, their afterlife, all of the things. Yeah. They're more sure of that than the unknown of what will happen. Will he conquer us, sell us off, kill us, torture us? Like, fuck, will he rape our kids in front of us? Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? He's fucking spiteful. So what? You're right. What's going to happen? You're right. You know what I mean? Like, it's, again, it's just not about shame. So I'm very tied to these people, apparently. I see that. That's okay. 
Do you have any research on like the physical science aspect as to why it's the river sinks? There has never been anything proven why people have tried to say different reasons of like the fish and things, but like nothing can ever be pinpointed to anything hardcore. Like there's literally nothing I could find that said, this is the cause of the sound. Yeah, like why the river sings. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's not like, oh, every day there's a noise. Like, so if it was a fish, you would think yeah, it's, or if it was like fish, it would be every time, like when they migrated Migrate. yeah, or that's something what like I was that. Thinking. But it's not. Damn. What do you think it is? I mean, obviously, I think it's the second one. Do you? Well, I don't know. I feel like I believe in love so much. That's what I want. But really, it wasn't the love story, though. No, it wasn't. It's, but it's, it's almost selfish of them to do what they did for love. But it's like, I've never felt that about anyone that I would be willing to betray my whole tribe or my whole family or whatever, like be damned with, like, I might die, but I have to be with this person. Because you're lucky. You know what I mean? Because people who don't fit what is deemed the norm of quote unquote traditional love don't know what that feels like. Yeah. Very true. But someone who is maybe LGBTQ they did risk that. Very true. Someone who is in an interracial relationship may have risked that. Very true. But I'm saying me as a person, anyway, like I've never felt love for anyone other than my family, my friends, and Marley and my old cat. You know, so it's like, I think that's why I'm drawn to that. Just I've never known love for another person. I can see that. You know, so... Little violin. God, that was deep, Donna. That was some uh, deep self-reflection you had there. (laughs) That'll be $100 for this hour of my couch time. Right. I really do think there's a logical reason for the river to sing. Like, something with the way the wind blows when certain fish are migrating, when the water's at a certain height. Like, there's got to be a reason. Science just hasn't found it yet. I think things... I don't know. I feel like there is energy. And mm-hmm. if we believe that energy can be left in asylums and whatever with trauma, if something like this did happen, even True. if it's not these stories, if it, even if these didn't happen along that river, there were smaller tribes. These tribes are now extinct. Mm-hmm. There's no longer a Biloxi. There's no longer a Pascagoula. Tribe. Tribe. So... Either, you know, like they all assimilated to Choctaw or whatever, but like they were conquered. I mean, they had, you know, the Spanish explorers come. They had other things. So there was trauma there and stuff that did happen. And then we know that water is something that brings energy and like, you know. Yeah, that's so true. So it's just like, I feel like. If we can believe something is haunted, like a building's haunted, why can't something like a pond or a river have that same energy in the same sense as an EVP certain times? 
That's so true. So I don't know, but I just think there's an opportunity. Like, there's a chance. There's been several studies and there's nothing. And if it's that exact that it has to be, that maybe mm, 15 things have to be right on the money to make this happen, I feel like when that happens, that is kind of magical. Damn. Why are you so poetic tonight? Got you got you talk about love. <laughs> Dang. Well, I was going. Well, thanks. Short, but like, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. And I learned something completely new. And it's like an hour and a half away from us. That's the thing. It's like, how did we... Why like, did we not learn that in, in school. Mississippi history? Yes, because we literally took a class, Mississippi history. We had it fucking together. Mm-hmm. And I didn't learn that. Mm-mm. And we had a good teacher. Yeah. Also, most important, I forgot a shout out to one of the creepsters, Michael Arroyo, for helping me with some of that research. Because he loves the mermaids. Mm-hmm. He does. Mm-hmm. Well, I see you a Michael, and I raise you... A Tawny, because Tawny is the one who recommended this story to me in the Facebook group. All right, all right. Teamwork makes a dream work. Okay, picture it. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Cold as a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So, there was a guy. We don't like him. Oh, girl, glad you said it because I was going to say single. Actually, he was married twice. Well, this douche canoe that we do not like... Fancied himself a bit of a filmmaker, a producer, if you will. And he was one of those guys that's like really into Star Wars, was like really into it. Was a, a like a LARPer, like to do, which is live action role play. Thank you to Don's brother, because that's the only reason why I know that. <laughs> and, you know, he was just all into that like kind of techie, geeky stuff that was, you know. Yeah. It was his jam. He was also into, do you remember the show Dexter? Uh-huh. Well, he was also very into the show Dexter. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Plastic everywhere. This guy's name is Mark Andrew Twitchell. Mark Twitchell was born July 4th, 1979. Twitchell actually spent a good bit of his childhood in the Midwest and the States. As far as we know, he had a really normal upbringing and he came back to canada in the 90s and that's when he started taking classes at the northern alberta institute of technology and so he graduated there in 1999 and he was taking courses in television radio that kind of thing he was a bit of a loner in school and the people that did know him weren't particularly fond of him he was a bit of a pathological liar and, like, he was the person in the group projects that you fucking hate because they don't do shit and then want to take the credit. And then when you call them out, they're like, oh, but but I had to do all these other things. And it's like, fuck you. I fucking hate that person. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been that person in no, a group project. No, I mean, have I slacked off and let other people take the lead and, like, do way more than me? Mm-hmm. But have I at least done my part? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember how I said that he really loved Star Wars? Yep. Well, Star Wars Episode One came out right around the time that he was finishing up school. So 
because that movie was coming out, people were going to be standing in line forever and ever and ever waiting to get into the you know tickets, blah, blah, blah. So one of his classmates decided to make it a charity event for the Children's Wish Foundation in Canada. So they called it a standathon. Stand in line, but make it a standathon. Meanwhile, can I make it a sitathon? Right. Whew. I would do anything for charity, but I won't do that. <laughs> it reminds me of the episode of uh, Golden Girls where they did a dance-a-thon. Oh, God. I would get a cramp just... Wait, I gotta go up to the dance floor? And then, No, you can't leave there? the dance floor. No, I know. But, like, no, I gotta go to the dance floor? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's a little ways over there. Uh. Twitchell said that he had some drawings that were, like original conceptual drawings from the producers of episode one. And he was going to like donate them to be sold for the children's wish foundation. Look, I believe a lot of shit, but I don't believe shit like that. Fuck no. Well, the guy that was leading the thing, his name was Drew Kenworthy. And he was like, "Mm, pretty sure these are forged. And so, when he confronts Twitchell about it, he, like, will not tell him that it's for, like, won't admit it, you know? So, again, it's just one of those things where he's just, like, this pathological liar about shit. It's like, why even say that? Like, why even be like, here, I have these drawings? Like, it's not, like, busted in a lie, okay? Yeah. He's trying to, like, weasel his way out. He's, like, creating these scenarios and storylines that he's fucking just making up. When Twitchell was about 21, he started talking to this girl online. She was 20. Her name was Megan. And so this was in like 2001 that they they ended up getting married. And so picture like 2001, you know, you believe everything that everybody says on the internet. And since we didn't have Neva Max yet to explain what catfishing was... She was vulnerable and believed everything he said. Tell as old as time. Mm-hmm. You've got mail. Mm-hmm. She left home and went up to Canada to meet him to marry him. Wow. After they got married, it didn't take her long to realize, wait a tick, this guy isn't who he portrayed himself to be online. Yeah. Unfortunately. Exactly. And it kind of just started with little stuff, like, him saying that bills were getting paid that weren't getting paid, and then she's getting collections calls, and you know, just shit like that. They ended up getting divorced in 2005, and two years later, in 2007, he married a girl named Jess. While he was married to Jess, he really tried to get his film career up and running. The first film, we'll call it, quote-unquote, that he made was called Star Wars, Secrets of the Rebellion. Um, how you gonna make a movie called Star Wars? I mean, he had a colon. I mean, okay. (laughs) So, basically, this was, like, filmed on a green screen, very low budget, very whatever. I'm picturing the equivalent of Hell's Gate's website. Yes, but, I mean, it wasn't... For what it was, I mean, he had, like, sets with, like, woodworking things and Like, he had the setup that really did kind of make it look legit, but he also had, like, no budget, so it's, like, on this green screen, you know? Mm -hmm. He did get some publicity, like, with the local news, which actually 
garnered some investors to invest in like future projects. So it wasn't like totally low budget, but yeah. also like how you gonna name it Star Wars. He was also obsessed with Transformers. And so part of his LARPing was obviously role playing, different characters, all the things. And his favorite was Carrie, that's what LARPing is. No, no, no. But I'm saying so like obviously with his LARPing, like that's like that's overall who he is. He likes characters, he likes costumes, he likes okay. Role play, you know, like... Okay. So, this is what he's into. His favorite, though, was a character from Transformers called Bumblebee. Mm-hmm, the yellow one. I would assume. Mm-hmm. And apparently that costume was so good that he actually won an award for it. Like, just like this, like, local costume contest type thing. But it was, like, not like you and I threw a Halloween party and he won our costume. Co- like, it was, like, a legit, you know... Well, like I said, he's at this time he's married. He's working kind of like odd jobs here and there. But then he loses his job. He takes a page out of John List's playbook and stops going to work because mm. he lost his job. But he's pretending like he's actually going to work. Mm. Hmm. One of those. So he's telling his wife he's going to work every Friday night. But what he's actually doing is going to this garage that he rented from this older couple they didn't speak english so he's like this is kind of like his perfect little getaway hideaway thing Mm -hmm. because he thinks well who they gonna tell exactly it's his dexter's laboratory pretty much well also around this time he starts working on his dexter-ish short film that he calls house of cards not stolen from netflix because this is before that and this guy is such a good, like, again, pathological liar, psychopath, narcissistic, all the things, that he is a good, he's very manipulative. He's a good liar. He's He had, like, $90,000 from investors for this house of cards. Wow. So it's like, he's just so good at, I mean, he's just manipulative. So he was living off of this money, pretending like he was going to work, but he wasn't. And so he's living off this money from investors. The idea behind House of Cards was that it was about a serial killer who lures men who are having affairs from their online dating websites and kills them. Okay. So if you've never seen Dexter, which I haven't, but basically he's a guy, he works in forensics with the police department. And by night is a serial killer killing criminals. So House of Cards was kind of a twist on that because, again, he's obsessed with Dexter. So all this is supposed to be happening in the garage, recording all this. Allegedly, as part of his research for House of Cards, he opens a Plenty of Fish account. Mm. Mm. And as we know from our girls over at the Homance Chronicles, Plenty of Felons. Uh-huh. Well, on Plenty of Fish... Old Twitchell's account was as a girl. Oh, goodness. Because remember, he's supposed to be doing research mm-hmm. to catch philandering men. Mm-hmm. Well, he cast his net out. He caught a guy by the name of Jills Tatrell. Jills, he's 33, he's single, looking to mingle, and there's this beautiful blonde that catches his eye on Plenty of Fish, and her name is Sheena. She not real. 
<laughs> yeah, she nah. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. She nah real. Mm-mm. Good one. The two hit it off and decide to meet. And can I just say as a disclaimer, if you're going to meet someone from online dating, have at it, have a blast, do your thing. We've all done it. But please tell your friends where you're going. Hell yeah. Tell your friends where you're going. Send them screenshots of their information, of their pictures, of every single thing that you know about them, where y'all are going. Hell, and if you have iPhones, share your location. I've done that before. Mm -hmm. Shared my location with Donna because Tiffany didn't have an iPhone so that she knows where I am the whole time. Yeah. So please be careful. So, Jills goes to meet, quote-unquote, Sheena. Sheena gives an address, and the address takes him to this garage. Already? No. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, oh, this looks like a perfect place to keep on going. Exactly. Well, he walks in, and when he gets inside, he sees this guy standing there with a hockey mask on. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So he's like, what in the actual fuck? Like, looks back, like, trying, like you know, trying to get away. But the hockey mask guy had a gun. And he tells him to get on the ground. Hockey mask man puts some tape over Jill's eyes and is like, you know, get on the ground, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, what is going, like, I've got to fight back. So he rips the tape off his eyes, which you know fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. He starts to get up, and the guy is like, get back down, get back down. And he's like, you know, I got to fight this guy. And so he grabs his gun. There's a scuffle. But here's the thing. When he grabs the gun, he realizes it's plastic. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. So he was like, well, fuck this. I'm fighting this motherfucker. Yeah. And I'm getting out. Not today, Jason. Not to fucking day. Mm-hmm. They scuffled. He was able to, like, roll under the garage and get away. Like, a movie moment of he had a jacket on, so when the guy, like, pulled his arm, he, like, slid out of his jacket, did a stop, drop, and roll, and rolled out under the garage. Wow. Well, he goes to stand up to run, and it's like his legs won't work. And so he's like, what the fuck? Oh, shit. Then he starts to get pulled back into the garage. No, that is a movie moment. Yes. So they they fight again, and he's like, I, like, I've got to get the fuck away. And so he's able to roll back out under the garage. Who is he? Walmart? Keeps rolling back prices. Yeah. <laughs> Not sponsored. And he's able to take off running. Well, he gets to the alley, and he sees a couple out for their nightly fucking walk, and is like, like collapses and he's like please help me i'm being robbed like i was in that garage over there like they're trying to rob me like because he doesn't understand what's going on he's like yeah okay so he thinks she she is real but this is her like boyfriend no he thinks that sheena's fake but they lured him there just to rob him oh okay like he has no clue he's walking into uh fake wannabe dexter's lair oh okay okay so the couple is like what the fuck? Because like us, they're so jaded by all this stuff that it's like, okay, well, is this guy really legit or is he actually the criminal trying to get me to do something exactly. to help him? And then, you know, yep. so they're like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, please, you know, please help me. And then all of a sudden, hockey mask guy comes out and he's like, that's him. Like, that's who's like, 
attacking me. And Hockey Mask Guy, like, walks over and is, like, watching them, but, like, like backing away, too, though. Being all creepy. Yes. But also was, like, come on, friend. Like, quit, quit, quit playing. Like, come on, friend. And so the couple was, like, this has got to be a trap. Because, mm-hmm. so Masked Guy is pretending to be friends with Jill's so that he's not busted. So the couple thinks it's all a ruse to get them to do something that they... It's going to put them in danger. So they just go, they just leave him there and go to, like, call police. Okay. When they get back, Jules is gone. And so they're like, maybe it really was a hoax. You know, they kind of just like, okay, let's move on for that. Well, Jules didn't go to the police because he was so embarrassed. He's like, I got duped. And that's that was embarrassing for him, you know? By no means does he need to be embarrassed or, I mean, I want to validate his feelings, but like as an outsider looking in, like, bro, it's not your fault. Like, you, you right. know what I mean? You didn't do anything wrong. And I hate that he internalized that as his fault when, no, the masked singer was the bad guy. You know what I mean? Yes. He's the one that did it, not you. You know, so mm-hmm. I hate that, that it's like self-victim blaming, you know? Yeah. Because everyone's going to say, well... Duh. Why would you think that's real? Why would you believe that? Because it's on the internet, especially at this time. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you believe, hey, I'm who I am. This person's who this person is. Or he may even be like worried that people would be like, why did you really think that that girl would go for you? Or, True. you know, so it could be some like insecurities that he's yeah. dealing with. I mean, I don't, that's pure conjecture. I have yeah. absolutely no idea. I'm not a therapist. I don't fucking know. But, I mean, I I know I would think that. I would be oh, like, for sure. Well, that's what I fucking get for thinking that that cute dude would like me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would totally say that to myself. Oh, for sure. Me too. Well, a week later, there was another guy, Johnny Aldinger. And Johnny, just like Jill's, was on Plenty of Fish, found this beautiful blonde, had a connection with her. And they decided to meet. Johnny is much more like us as far as keeping contact with friends. Like, okay, here's some screenshots of our conversation. This is where I'm going. Here's my pin drop. Here's my, you know, like. Yeah. So that his friends really did know where he was going and what he was doing. Well, later that night, no one had heard from Johnny. They knew that he was going to meet this girl, Jen, like I said, but they hadn't heard from him. And they were like, well, this is not like him. You know, when he goes home or whatever, he's going to tell someone like, hey, date went great. Date went terrible. I made it home, you know. Yeah. And they hadn't heard from him. So while they knew his friends and his family, especially his older brother, knew that this was out of character for John. He went by John. That this was out of character for John. Then John didn't show up for work. Oh, shit. And that's when they're really like, look, something's not right. You know, we got to do something. You know, something, something's just not sitting well. Well, then his brother gets an email. And the email's from John. And it says, I've met a woman named Jen. I'm going away with her to Costa Rica. I'll call you at Christmas time. Because the last time they saw him was... October 10th. And so when his brother got this message, he was like, this is literally the strangest message I've ever gotten. Like, right. 
what the fuckity fuck. Who says Christmas time too? Yeah. And he gets an email from his brother? Like, yeah. Do what? Right. And this is a guy that was very dependable and reliable. And so to just miss work and to just be like, well, I'm dropping everything and I'm going on a two month vacation to Costa Rica with this girl I met a couple of days ago. You know, Mm -hmm. no, not going to happen. So, of course, at this point, they've contacted police, but John's an adult. And so while there's some like, hmm, evidence about him being missing, there's really no concrete evidence that he's actually missing Gosh, as an adult. You know, like he could have really just gone to Costa Rica and that's well within his rights as an adult, you know. How you say Costa Rica reminds me of that J-Lo song when she's like, whatever, to Africa. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Lord. So his friends are getting no help from police. So they're like, fuck this. We're we're going to his apartment. Who is this? Is this uh, the whole thing you did last time? Right. Where they're like, hey, drive the car back. Hey, Mm -hmm. do all of this. God bless America. So his friends break into his apartment to just see, like, okay, what the fuck can we find? Well, they found, I mean, is this guy me? They find dirty dishes, like, all of his luggage is there, his passport's there. His friends are quoted saying it looked like he was going to return an hour or two later. Armed with all this evidence of, like, okay, look, here's his passport. He clearly did not go to Costa Rica without his fucking passport. So this time, a homicide detective by the name of Bill Clark, becomes part of the investigation. And at first he's like, um, why in the fuck am I, you know, like, this is a missing person. I'm a homicide detective. Like, what the fuck is going on? But I don't know how or why he got assigned to it, but he did. Detective Clark's first mission is obviously try to find him, try to find John. They also know that his red Mazda was missing too. That's the kind of car he drove. Well, the police had all of his communication with his friends being like, this is where I'm going. So the police follow where he was going, which leads to the garage. Dun, dun, dun. Once the police know the garage, then they say, okay, who's renting this out? The police learn that Mark Twitchell is who is renting out the garage. So the police interview him and they're like, do you know this guy? Have you ever heard of him? Like... He's missing, and his last known whereabouts is what brought us to your garage. And he's like, yeah, I know, that's really weird. He said that one of the last times he went back to the garage, it looked like somebody had messed with the lock on it. Mm-hmm. And so the police, you know, they, the police look around. He lets them look around, and they're like, oh, that kind of looks like blood. And he's like, oh, yeah, and tells them about his movie thing that he's making because he's making the House of Cards mm-hmm. with it's like the serial killer and all the things. And so the detective is like, "Mm." you know, as he says, like his spidey senses were kind of going off. Like he knew something was off, but there's literally no proof of anything. Yeah. Well, the police find that old Twitchell has recently come into a red Mazda. Mm. And when he was asked about the Mazda, he tells them this ridiculous fucking story. That he saw a guy on the street, and the guy was like, hey, you know what? I just met this lady. She's got a shit ton of money. We're going off. She's going to buy me a new car. She's going to be my sugar mama kind of thing. So, you want this car? Oh, Oh. my goodness. Mm -hmm. So, he was like, sure. 
Okay. So the police are like, ding, 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 ding. We're going back and looking for more. Yeah. Oh, I do want to say this. I forgot this. He says that he bought the car for $40. So, sorry. It wasn't just giving it to him. $40. $40. Woo. Okay. Of what? Monopoly money? Mm-hmm. Well, after police get the search warrant because of the whole car debacle, they find his laptop. And on his laptop, in his recycle bin, not fully emptied, they find a document called SK Confessions. Did he learn this from BTK? Pretty much, yeah. Like, so, oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. So SK stands for either... Well, I assume serial killer. Mm-hmm. But also Stephen King because, you know, Twitchell loves Stephen King, too. Mm, okay. In this document, this confession... Don't quote me on this, but I think I remember reading it was like 40-something pages, this SK Confessions. But basically, it was like a first-person account of how one would lure someone from the internet and kill them. The final piece of evidence that they found was that they found John's blood in Twitchell's trunk. And so they're like, boom, we got him. So DNA matched everything so they arrested him on halloween of 2008 which was his favorite holiday so like haha you fucking fuckity fuck damn Mm -hmm. (laughs) no treats just tricks they couldn't get him to confess but what they did have because all this started coming out on the news was jill's he came back and was like um hold hold the phone guys that that happened to me too And I didn't tell y'all because I was embarrassed, but that had happened to me too. Dang. But the thing is, is that nobody knew where John's body was. I have no idea where he's going to have put this body. Well, Detective Clark went to the jail multiple times trying to get him to tell him where the body was. And he wouldn't. Well, then, finally, June 3rd, 2010, this is a year and a half after John disappeared, they get a call. And it says that Twitchell has something to to give them. But it came with some conditions. Oh, goodness. So, one was that the police were not allowed to ask him any questions. And the other was that they couldn't have any media there. And the third was that Detective Clark couldn't come. Oh, my God. He was so butthurt. Well, right? Because he was the one that, like, kept going to the Mm -hmm. prison to be like, where the fuck is the body? Mm Mm-hmm. So. I'm not going to tell you. Yes. So when they get there, Twitchell's attorney, like, basically hands him a Google map. And it's like, X marks the spot. This is where John's body is. Here's the kicker. It was half a block away from where they stopped the search. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I wish after, like, all of that said and done, Clark would have been like, I'm here, motherfucker. You know, right right there and be like, I heard it all. Well... They go to the alley where he says it is, and they pick up this manhole cover, and they see pieces of a human body. Oh, gosh. Oh, can you imagine going in that alleyway and being like, what the fuck is that smell? It's a- A human. Yeah, it's a human body. Discarded like fucking trash, and you're complaining about a smell, not knowing it's someone's lost life you know and a lost loved one that they cannot find yeah and haven't been able to find for a year and a half 
Oh, gosh. They end up going to trial. He tries to just, like, dismiss, because he testifies on his own behalf. Of of course he did. Because he's a narcissist. So he Mm -hmm. tries to dismiss the document, the confession document. He tries to say that he met John, and then John, like, turned on him kind of thing, and he is protecting himself. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody believes him, and he's convicted. Good. It only took the jury four hours to find him guilty. Wow. I will say one of my main references was from the Guardian Press, and they said five hours, but either way, it didn't take them very long. He was sentenced to 25 years to life. So, you want to know the kicker? Please. According to the CBC News, old Mark Twitchell actually has a dating profile on a site for inmates. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And so it's a site where inmates pay $35 a year. And the people who are looking at the inmates, like, because it's it's like a pen pal system, too. Yeah. You know, they're, it's free for them. And so they can, like, look at the, the inmates. It has, like, their picture and their crime and how long they're sentenced for and blah, 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 blah. And then you can start, like, a pen pal relationship with them. And people are like, this is so fucked up because they're yeah. they're not limiting it to, like, okay, well, you could be in prison for rape and murder, but you can be on this site, so can somebody that got caught with pot, you know? Right. And so there's no, like, regulations on who can be on it. And so they're like, this is dangerous. Like, Very dangerous. So you're going to put someone on a dating website, essentially, for inmates that lured his victims from a dating website. And even, too, like, even if nothing nefarious is going on because he's in jail he's getting to relive Mm -hmm. that experience all the time and it's like to kind of go back to like the shit that can go down like they say that they're like you know don't give the inmates any money blah 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 blah. and it's like i mean people are vulnerable Mm -hmm. and gullible and if you have people who are master manipulators Mm -hmm. that happen to get caught they're still really good at manipulating people. Mm-hmm. And so how many people have been caught up, you know, and they're being swindled for money. To do bad shit for these people. Yes. I, I mean, even like sneaking in drugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's no telling the amount of wow. manipulation, you know. Yeah. But so true. I didn't think about that, about how, what you're saying about him being able to relive this. Plus, I'm sorry. I know that there is a fine line between treating inmates like humans because they are humans. But also I'm like, fuck them getting like to pay for like to get a pen pal. Like, no, you don't deserve that. Right. No. Like that's a freedom that is taken away from you. Yeah. So, and that's a slippery slope too, because again, it's like they are humans and they should be treated as humans, but also. John's not getting any fucking mail. And you know what, too? You're so right. But also, they were saying, one of the articles was talking about how, like, he has a TV, and he's actually, like, in there watching all these episodes of Dexter. So, it's like, what the fuck? Like, what? I mean, other than actually getting to kill people, he's literally living out everything. Yeah. The dating site, watching his show, you know? Yeah. It's, It's just crazy, the luxuries that he has. 
in prison that are literally like directly related to his crime. That's ridiculous mm-hmm. and infuriating. Mm-hmm. Well, because like you said, John's not getting those things. Mm-mm. Well, crazy that both of ours had to do with relationships mm-hmm. in a sense, and neither turned out well. Mm-mm. I'm staying single. Here's the thing. That said, it's settled. I'm single. <laughs> no one. Cricket, cricket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what this episode has emphasized? Love who you going to love. Mm-hmm. FaceTime your matches on mm-hmm. your dating sites so that you can confirm they are who they say they are mm-hmm. before you go meet them in person. You know what I used to do? I used to say, because if I wasn't sure that they were who they say they were, I would say, tell them to send me a picture, but I would tell them, like, to hold up a random number. Like, okay, hold up the number three. Never the peace sign, because they, they could always find, like, yeah. don't, don't ever be like, hold up two fingers, because there's surely there's a picture somewhere of that they could be using for that. So I'll be like, hold up four fingers, hold up three fingers, hold, yeah. you know what I mean? And then that way, like, if they won't send that, they're fake. Yeah. So... Be careful. Protect yourselves in all the ways. For real. And remember. Creep it real. And and don't get scared. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM.